This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Hello and welcome to Spotlight. We have a most wonderful guest today, Dr. Joel Brind. Um, he's a, a, a PhD doctor. Uh, he's uh, studied basic medical sciences he is a graduate of uh, the college, Yale College in 1971 and earned his doctorate from New York University in 1981 in basic mes- medical sciences. And he specialized in biochemistry, physiology, and immunology. And then since 1986, Dr. Brind has been a professor of human biology and endocrinology at Baruch College of the City University of New York. Um, he's married and has four grown children and a number of grandchildren. And before we will ask him all to share his expertise on our topic, which is the abortion breast cancer link and glycine, an amino acid, I want to ask Dr. Brind, first of all, I'd like to welcome you to the show, Doctor. Welcome to Spotlight. Thanks. Great to be with you. Thank you for agreeing to do this interview. Um, let's get started. Let's talk about you for a minute. When I was talking to you before the show, um, you, I said, you sound so young. You have these grandchildren, and you've been doing this research for umpteen number of years, and yet you sound so young, and your response was, I take sweetamine every day. <laughs> so yeah, That's my glycine supplement, right. Uh-huh. A glycine supplement. So that's the second part of the show, and I can't wait to hear about it. Angela said she just ordered it from your website. Um, you you are a man of faith. Um, you decided to go into medical research. Is there a story behind that, or how did that come about? Uh, oh well, that actually, yeah, there's a bit of a story behind it. I was just I was just in the barber shop waiting for a haircut back in 1961. <laughs> wow. and, and they had copies of old magazines. They had a copy of uh, Life magazine, which was all about cancer and and the people who studied it. It was all about biochemists, you know, uh-huh. and those are the people who do the medical research. Yes, and I yes. just read the article. I was so fascinated. I decided on the spot that's what I wanted to do. No, is that right? Yeah. That's so amazing. Kid, you know. Did you, did Life ever magazine ever find that out? Did you ever tell them? Uh uh, no, I don't <laughs> know. It's too I bad. <laughs> what? I mean, I think it's been published in uh, in uh, some face magazines, but not not in the uh, quote mainstream. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> and then let's speak about your faith. So, tell us a little about the role plate faith played in your uh, the, your beginning, your middle, and not your end yet. Oh well, uh, it's it's more not in not in so much a formal way, but I would say uh, philosophically. Uh, in terms of uh, of faith, mm-hmm. in that uh, there is this idea that that somehow faith and science are at odds, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah, we believe in science, and uh, you know, and you, you know, you're just religious and all of that, and uh, and this is this is now very pervasive. Our whole science is based on a very secular, yes. very kindly view of the world and the universe. Yes. And in fact, uh, I have had for the last, let's put it this way, I had for the last, oh, 13 or 14 years on my office door, since I found it, a quotation from Einstein, where he says, quote, 
everyone who is seriously engaged in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that the laws of nature manifest the existence of spirit far superior to that of men and in the face of which we with our modest powers must feel humble. Mm-hmm. So that's Einstein. He says, you, you know, you are not a scientist unless you understand that God created the universe. Mm-hmm. And, and and he's the one who sustains the universe and all of those things. And um, what happens now is in biology, and, and I don't care even if you're, let's say, a physician who is educated, uh, you know, from the cradle virtually in Catholic school and Catholic university and Catholic medical school, you still learn biology mm-hmm. from the secular, modern, um, uh, yes, really uh, upside down view of uh, you know of the human body and all of biology and really all of creation. Of course, mm-hmm. they, they wouldn't even call it creation, right? Because it's all self-created and yes, all happened yes, by accident. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and all of that. Right. And so this is, and it's, it's you're, and they really, that's why we get further, as the technology gets further and further advanced, yes. the discovery of truth gets more and more and more elusive. Yes. Uh, because we're basically building more stories on the Tower of Babel. Yes. And this is this is this is exactly where we get the idea of the whole, you know, between starting with, you know, legalized contraception and then abortion mm-hmm. and then and now all the transgender stuff yes. and all of this very, very bizarre we are so far past the flat earth. Really, <laughs> in terms of, of yes. what we believe as a society about science and technology uh, we're off the rails and it's all predictable because everything's backwards Mm -hmm. all all the biology that is taught except in my classroom it isn't but you know what i'm what i'm saying we could do we could do a whole show on that you know that would be interesting of itself but i want to get on to your research and you um have been researching the abortion breast cancer link, I think you said for 25 years. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah, 25 or 26, uh-huh, something like uh-huh. that. Yes, uh-huh. So there is a, an abortion breast cancer link. Uh, clink, oh, correct? yes, there is. Yeah, the first study that, uh, that showed evidence of it was a nationwide study in Japan published mm-hmm. in 1957 which showed that women who had abortion had about three times the risk of breast cancer compared to women who did not have an abortion. Uh And since then, uh, there was, at the time, of course, very little. uh, That was very early days of epidemiology as a discipline. Yes. And that was, uh, and of course, between the 1950s right till the turn of the century, abortion was not very common, was not mm-hmm. legal in most places, and of course, breast cancer takes years to show up mm-hmm. as a you know disease of you know abortion happens usually to teenagers and women in their twenties, mm-hmm. and and breast cancer happens to women in their fifties and sixties. Yes, 60s. yes, yes. And so um, there wasn't much uh, in the literature, so I collected all the literature that I could find when mm-hmm. I when I came across this, and I came across it because. Well, it's another place where faith came into it. You know, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to know. Uh, I was, I was, having been sort of a, a you know, one of these, a, you might call sort of a good commie pro-choicer in college, like all of us, you know, all the lefties. <laughs> everybody's trained to be, and then you know, you start, you start waking up from this haze 
when yes. you're in your 30s, you know. Yes. So then I, uh, so this is this is what happened to me, well, and I I wanted to do something uh, for pro life actually, mm-hmm. uh, more specifically, and then uh, I read about uh, the an article in the Science News talked about how pregnancy protects a woman against breast cancer, and I read the article and it seemed a little bit odd because they didn't talk about it having to be a full-term pregnancy, which was back to research that was done in the late 60s by the World Health Organization, who showed, no, it has to be a full-term pregnancy. And I went back to the library and saw that over the last 10 years, since about, you know, between 1982 and 1992, there were a number of studies in the literature which convinced me that abortion was indeed a risk factor Mm -hmm. for breast cancer, and nobody knew it. And Mm -hmm. so I took that on as a, as my, um, basically the main uh, uh, topic of my research, and found and published a, uh, a meta-analysis where we compiled, compiled all the data that was available at that time. It was about two dozen studies by 1996 mm-hmm. when we published that. And um, it, it, it was taken very seriously, but then the backlash by the uh, medical and medical research community and public health community mm-hmm. worldwide, it's like this is totally politically incorrect. Isn't it? And so it's still denied, you know, our yes. National Cancer Institute, you know, the 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 largest of the national institutes of health institutes still uh, maintains oh there isn't any risk and there isn't any link and the national academy of science and medicine says there's no there's there is no link between abortion and breast cancer even as the evidence gets stronger and stronger and stronger we just finished another my co-authors and i at the breast cancer prevention institute which is uh, an institute that I co-founded in order to research this and related areas in terms of breast cancer prevention. So I would call it the Breast Cancer Prevention Institute. And uh, we looked at all of the studies in South Asia. You would think, right, that as that as the abortion has spread to places like China and India, that, mm-hmm. that the breast cancer epidemic would be exploding out there. Yes. Well, you know what? It is. It is. Yes. Uh, so there was another systematic review that came out in 2013 from China of 36 different studies just from China showing that there was a link corroborating what we had found and and so we then did a study on South Asia, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, all of those countries. There were 20 studies that we found just in the last 10 years showing that the link was really very strong that a woman, a typical woman in South Asia has about two and a half times the risk of getting breast cancer if she has an abortion than if she doesn't. This is unbelievable. And so, yeah, it, it, and yet it's unbelievable that this kind of uh, information can be covered up. Well, you. So, but so I have to ask then: Why would major medical research institutions, especially our own Federal National Cancer Institute, not be leading the way in informing women of this risk? Politics. I mean, because abortion mm-hmm. is uh, is a sacrament to them. This is part of part mm-hmm. of getting everything backwards, right? I mean, yes. if we're just, you know, one of the I, I have given a talk actually called, you know, we're all blobs of tissue now, you know, which is like if we're all just, uh, you know, fortuitous aggregates of molecules, yeah, as Linus Pauling uh, said it. If we're just aggregates of molecules, then you know, we're, you can think of an unborn child as a blob of tissue. We're just bigger blobs of tissue, aren't we? So, you know, we can do anything we want. 
Um, Linus you know, Pauling, man, I don't want to interrupt you, but wasn't he the one that developed the uh, vitamin C yep, cure? Yep, he's probably the most celebrated biochemist of the 20th century. Right. And and even right before the end of his life, he gave an interview to one of the textbook publishers, and I, uh, you know, and he he was interviewed extensively about his views, and they said, "Well, where do you draw the line between what is living and what is non-living?" Yes. He says, "Oh, it's really arbitrary." Because the properties of molecules are the properties of living things, you know, there's no difference. Uh, so this is this is a view that wow. that began really in the 19th century in Europe, and and the the main idea that goes all the way back it's called chemical evolution, which sh- says that life evolved by itself from molecules, uh, you know, just because of all the eons of time and the mm-hmm. you know and the materials available on the planet. This specific idea was articulated by a Russian biochemist who got his degree from the Moscow State University in 1917. What a mm-hmm. great place. Mm-hmm. Moscow, 1917. <laughs> his name was Alexander Oparin. And his and his uh, hypothesis was finally put to the test in 1953 uh, by a graduate student at the uh, University of Wisconsin. <clears throat> Named Stanley Miller, uh, who put together a you know an apparatus with all of the the uh, primordial uh, Earth uh, and primordial seas and lightning and volcanic uh, activity, simulating those things in a sterile uh, uh, biochemical environment, a sterile chemical environment, mm-hmm. and let it cook for about a week. And lo and behold, amino acids appeared, including glycine, the simplest one of them. And he concluded, well, see, it can all happen without, uh, you know, without God. This was, all this proved really was that there are certain molecules that we used to think only living things can make, but they can be made in the environment, in the non-living environment. But this was taken as basically proof of Oprah's hypothesis that, you know, that life itself just arose by accident over the eons of time, and that became enshrined in virtually every mainstream textbook of biology mm-hmm. ever since the Amazing. 1950s. Amazing. You know, and, you know, so it and all goes back to those, 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 those people in Wisconsin. I don't know. Well, <laughs> anyway. But, and, and then today, of course, the world, um, you know, w- was created by itself it, from nothing, so it goes that's a, with yes, the territory. Right. That's yeah. Th- that's that's exactly how that that's that was the experimental work that enshrined the beliefs that actually came right out of Moscow in 1917. And this is not an accident, I don't believe, right. because Oberyn, by the way, who concocted this hypothesis, mm-hmm. he never had to escape from Russia. Right. He was celebrated as a national hero. Oh, sure. He had actually sure. provided the the theoretical underpinning of Soviet atheism. Sure. So he got the Lenin Prize, sure. and he died old and fat and happy in Moscow. Not I'm too sure many he people did. to be old and fat and happy in Moscow. I'm sure. So, so we only have less than two minutes in this segment. Um, you know, I, I had a disease called scleroderma, which I'm sure you know about. Um, and yeah, I, there, there was a Dr. Thomas Brown in the um, some years ago that pioneered studies about giving scleroderma patients clindamycin. And I was one of the fortunate people who took some intravenous clindamycin. But Dr. Thomas Brown was so outlawed by the medical community. I just want to make this point about the politics. Mm-hmm. People sure. were getting well on clindamycin, and I got well. I today, right. 15 years later, I am well. I don't have scleroderma, but um, 
many people died, but the the medical community would not recognize this drug because why? Because they because so many people were making money on the the constant doctor visits and drugs that they were giving them for arthritis and scleroderma that they didn't want this cure all you know which uh-huh. which clindamycin was fast becoming so it was politics pure and simple that outlawed this uh, this drug so right. i just absolutely and and uh-huh. you of all people would understand that with the politics um, it's it's just insidious that 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 can happen and yet it does well it's 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 just um uh human nature really yeah uh, yes. pe- people become invested in certain things and then if that's challenged there's this idea that oh we need to have scientific consensus about right, this and right, what's right. The scientific well so the scientific consensus is an oxymoron because what? consensus is a political construct we're gonna have to stop there we're gonna yeah. have to stop there and let's pick it up in a few minutes did you know you can listen to wsfi 88.5 fm catholic radio online Visit WSFIRadio.org for more information. That's WSFIRadio.org. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hello, I'm Bill Wennington from the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls. I I believe Catholic Radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way. And it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Hello and welcome back to Spotlight I hope um, for those of you who are listening, um, we have a, another segment to go with Dr. Joel Brind. He's a doctor who has um, specialized in the basic medical sciences, and he is kind of an expert on the abortion breast cancer link. It was so interesting to listen to him, and you can you can see this online if you missed the show. Um, but I feel, doctor, that you're your um, your work 
you're like a medical missionary. You saw this in Time magazine years ago. This, you know, and you, you, it, you, it. God somehow touched you and led you to all this kind of pro-life work, and this is pro-life. You know, you're right. restoring. Sure. So it's it's so beautiful how you integrated uh, faith with your medical practice in your work. I'm just touched by that. Um, oh well, that's, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and it's it, it's, it's disappointing to know that that's rare. It is <laughs> it, rare, but you know, be, it should be universal. It it is rare, but our listeners will appreciate what they're hearing. And you know, today there's so much fake news out there, but this is real news, right. everyone. This is real news. This is. This is the news we need to grow and to live on and to, you know, to heal. So, yes. We, and and speaking of healing, I want to get on to um, the next topic, which is this amino acid that Angela's already ordered on your website. Um, <laughs> right. You made a statement, doctor, before I wrote it down. We're slowly poisoning poisoned to death by our own immune system. So that's a lead-in for your discussion about glycine. Tell us about it. Right. Well, uh, what's not known yet, uh, well, what is known now and what is, what is largely understood by medical researchers and public health authorities and nutritional authorities and so forth is that most of the illnesses that make people sick and die these days, including heart disease, cancer, arthritis, uh, Alzheimer's disease, you name it, mm-hmm. are really uh, consequences of chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but they don't know why. And the reason I believe they don't know why is because uh, they do not know the real uh, nature of inflammation. It's been misunderstood probably for centuries or more. And the, uh, if you read any medical textbook, for example, and you look up inflammation or you even just Google it, it will tell you that inflammation is a normal response to infection or injury. Mm-hmm. And we're all used to it. You sprain your ankle, it gets swollen and sore and yes. stiff. You know, all of these, uh, you know, inflammation is a natural response to injury. It isn't. That's, that is my main discovery, that that is not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, it doesn't happen to me. Uh, and it doesn't happen to me because it only happens when one is deficient in this one amino acid called glycine, which has been covered up by for so long by use of the term non-essential because your body can make glycine. It's the simplest amino acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is believed that you don't need to eat any. But in fact, uh, you do need to eat it, and the modern diet makes it even worse. It's very insidious in some ways because... Amino acids, of course, are the building blocks that make protein. And these days, we all have a very high-protein diet. Yes. Right? Meat, fish, and poultry, and eggs, and dairy, and all of that. So we're we're eating more glycine and all the amino acids than we ever did before. So how can we be deficient? And the reason is that it's the wrong balance of protein. And glycine is actually used up in the process of getting rid of another amino acid when it's in excess. So even though we're eating more of it, we have less of it in our body than, say, vegans if we eat meat, fish, and poultry, and, and dairy, and eggs all day. Can I just stop you for a second before I lose my right. train of thought? So it, it, we, the glycine that we have eats, it eats up another uh, acid? Another? Right, yes. There is, yeah, there, I, this is how I actually got started on the glycine connection, is I was working on another amino acid called methionine, which is an essential amino acid. 
and uh, it, it's essential. So a lot, a lot of people are focused on the idea that you've got to have enough of that. And we learned in biochemistry about all of the pathways that our body uses to recycle and regenerate and conserve methionine because it's so essential. But it's so essential, we need very little. It's more like a vitamin. We need only hundreds of milligrams a day. Mm-hmm. Whereas glycine, we need grams a day. Mm. And the reason for... Uh, because we need so little of the methionine because when when we eat a lot of it our liver is actually busy getting rid of the excess so but in order to get rid of the excess the only way it can do it actually uses up glycine so the more and where is methionine rich it's rich in muscle meats and in dairy so muscle meats are not really a complete food because unlike our uh, predecessors and grandparents who, who basically threw the, uh, you know, would, would take the muscle off the bone and then throw the bones in the soup pot. Now we throw it in the trash, mm-hmm. you see. And that's where most of the glycine is because most of the glycine is in the collagen. Is in so what? I'm sorry. So glycine what? intake is, yeah. Most of the glycine is in, I, I lost that word. It's in collagen. Most of the oh, glycine collagen. is in the collagen. Collagen. collagen, yes. Collagen is the protein that um, that uh, bones and connective tissues are made of. Mm-hmm. So that's the most abundant protein in the body. And when we eat meat, fish, and poultry, and we just eat the muscle meats and throw the bones away, we're not eating a whole food. Mm-hmm. Then it comes to dairy, probably has is the most methionine-rich and glycine-poor source of protein. Mm-hmm. It's a great food. Nothing wrong with dairy. Right. You know, meat, right. uh, milk, and cheese, and yogurt, and all of that. They're wonderful foods. They're perfectly balanced for growth. Once you're full grown, they don't give you a full balance. They, so you know, where, they, they where have can too, we get too this? much methionine, not enough glycine. What do we have to eat to to get this glycine? Well, you can. Uh, a lot of people eat bone broth. That's now a very oh, popular fad, right? I've seen it on and Facebook. <laughs> right, it's not going to go away because people people start consuming bone broth and they feel a lot better. So really? what I did is I formulated. Uh, just the, the free amino acid glycine with a couple of other amino acids and a little bit of the stevia so that you can use it like a sweetener. I pack it, I call it sweetamine, and uh, you, you can get it at sweetamine.com. Uh-huh. And it's, you, just, um, you just use it like a sweetener because you can't make it. I mean, if you take glycine as pills or capsules, and you can, there are health food companies that make it, mm-hmm. but you would need to take about 16, you know, 500 milligram capsules oh, a day. Oh. I mean, it's not it's not practical. You don't need milligrams of it every day. Mm-hmm. You need grams of it every day. I like, so your, I, I like I, your little packets. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that, that's, <laughs> Sounds that's easy. the idea. That Sounds it's, easy. it's simple and convenient. So you don't... I'm not saying, oh, no, dairy, it gives you the wrong balance. You should stop eating cheese, you know, or anything. No, I don't mean that. Right. All you have to do is balance it. So if you take eight grams a day of glycine, right. in addition to what, whatever you eat normally, that should take care of it. So is that eight people, grams they, in, in yeah. this packet? Is, is there how, how many? Hey, there's eight, eight grams of glycine. Okay, okay. Right. Okay. That's a lot. But it's, you know, it's, you know, it's like a couple of teaspoons of sugar in its taste, but there isn't any sugar or anything like that. In it. And then, of course, you know, people wonder if it's safe for diabetics, but it's uh, actually there's a study that was published 10 years ago that shows that glycine supplementation actually reversed type 2 diabetes. Oh, my word. Because, di- because that's also another 
symptom of chronic inflammation. Yes. It's another consequence of so chronic can, inflammation, can, which is really just the deficiency of Can it. we take too much of it? Uh, no, not really. Wow. Um, there were studies done, actually, um, there have been studies done over a number of years where they uh, use glycine with some benefit, mm-hmm. a m- moderate benefit in uh, major depression. And in that case, they, they have supplemented up to 60 grams a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, this is just eight grams a day. So it's mm-hmm. not, it's, it, it, so it's, and it never hurt anybody. You know, so, it doesn't, I, I took 40 grams a day for a month and tested my blood every week to make sure really? it was safe before I, you know. So you say this can it. help with all sorts of things, with heart disease, all, arthritis. What about my granddaughter who has cystic fibrosis? Oh, that's a whole, that's interesting. I have been trying to talk to people with cystic fibrosis about this because it is my hypothesis that cystic fibrosis may not even be a disease. It may be a genetic variant that only produces disease if one is glycine deficient. Wow. Because, and this is different, this is not only, it's, it's different because of uh, the nature of cystic fibrosis. First of all, cystic fibrosis has a lot of serious inflammation, which is what causes the life-threatening complications. Yes, yes. Which would, they would be tamed tamed by by glycine supplementation, by sweetamine, for example, for one thing. But for another thing, the particular genetic defect Mm -hmm. in cystic fibrosis is a kind of a cellular protein which is called a chloride channel. Mm Mm-hmm. And the way glycine works is it it opens up what what are called glycine gated chloride channels. Mm-hmm. So uh, having uh, the glycine gated chloride channels open all the time uh, should be able to compensate for the genetic defect directly, wow. independent of its effect in in taming inflammation. How beautiful! So so it should so that should you know probably if. if if someone, if I had a kid with cystic fibrosis, I would probably make sure they had about four packets of sweetamine every day. Oh, I just love you know, this, but and, I'll uh, have to talk to my daughter, but maybe I could put her in touch with you. But I, I was very sure. impressed earlier in the show when you uh, were telling us, like off the record, the results you've seen taking uh, glycine. You, you, something about oh, yeah. you had a sunburn once or... Oh, yeah, my own, when I was experimenting with it myself to see what it would do and putting it together with the knowledge from uh, research papers that others had published uh, over the years um, was, uh, for example, I started taking about 10 grams a day of glycine just to see what it would do because I I knew that it was safe and I knew that it should be beneficial, but I wasn't quite sure what it would do at the time, but Uh I just started taking it and I didn't feel any different. Uh, and then things would happen. So one thing that happened is I fell four feet onto a concrete floor directly onto my tailbone. Ooh. And my wife and I went out dancing that night, to my <laughs> surprise. And to my great surprise, I felt absolutely normal the next morning. And I had to look in the mirror to see this huge bruise in my lower back. Wow. To, you know, to prove that I had actually had wow. that serious fall. And then uh, subsequent to that, I, I, uh, my brother-in-law got us tickets to a ball game, and I was very excited to go to this ball game in June uh-huh. in the, the new Yankee Stadium, which had with no obstructions, not a cloud in the sky. So it's near the solstice. There's not an obstruction, not a cloud in the sky. I have no hat on, a T-shirt, shorts, 
And around the fifth inning, I started to notice a little warm feeling around my thighs and looked down and I was, oh. you know, wherever I had my skin exposed, I was like a boiled lobster. And oh. I just knew with 100% certainty that I was going to be in excruciating pain doing simple things like dressing, undressing, and yes, bathing for yes, the next couple of days. Yes. But once I got in the shade, it just started to go away. And none of that happened. Why? Because all of that is not sun damage. It's secondary inflammation in response to the sun damage. It's inappropriate inflammation. Inflammation should not happen as a result of injury. And that's why the, the connection to heart disease, for example, and cancer is that there are normal processes, everything from the menstrual cycle to normal circulation of blood that produce injuries on a micro scale on a regular basis Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so if that just heals there's no problem that's the way it was designed by our lord you know (laughs) that's the way god designed it yes of course you know not random molecules but and and uh you know if it's but but if you're deficient in glycine so that there is actually inflammation taking place inappropriately inflammation because of turbulence in the circulation of your blood branching into your coronary arteries if there's inflammation because you're glycine deficient ultimately you get atherosclerosis it sounds to Um, me like we're all glycine deficient most people yeah i mean i have friends who are bone broth enthusiasts who eat about a quarter bone broth every day really they don't need sweet amine they are not (laughs) i think i i think i ordered it once and i think it tasted awful is that right oh well well, thanks a lot. It tastes good. I, <laughs> no, I, I don't mean, I mean sweet. I mean bone broth. You mean? I don't mean sweet. Oh, right. I mean I mean bone broth. <laughs> Some people like it. Some <laughs> okay. people like it. I mean, I like chicken soup. You know, right? I mean, uh, that's, well, I do you know, too. That, but that is a form of bone broth. Bone so. broth is a little different, I'll tell you. But yeah, this, I, that's what people say. Yeah, this sweet amine sounds flavor, pretty good. Yeah. So let's tell our listeners how they can get it again. Oh well, it's called. Sweet amine, so it's S W E E T, sweet like sugar, A M I N E. A M I N E. Sweet, okay. yeah, sweet amine. Uh, and that's sweetamine.com is the website. Very okay. simple. So they just and, go uh, onto your website yeah. and they can order it. Um, is it expensive? Right. What? Uh, no, well, it's. I think the introductory packet is like fourteen ninety five plus postage. It's like. $17 and change for uh, 12 days. Oh. And then okay. if, you know, um, you know, most people who order it and they order, you know, a, a few months supply at a time, then it gets down to the, in the range of about a dollar a day. That sounds and pretty good. Uh, you know, it's the idea is that it saves a lot of people a lot of money just in Advil. And, in Advil, <laughs> like yeah. That because, yeah, you know, just because it, uh, it, it stops the inflammation, which right. which causes the pain. Even, for example, pain, as I, I mentioned uh, before, I think, you know, the, the whole opioid epidemic yes. is really an epidemic of chronic inflammation that's causing all that pain. Yes, yes. And the reason for the inflammation, when you have an old injury, even though the injury has long since healed, yes. it still becomes a place where inflammation yes. happens. Why? Because... When that wound heals, and it heals with scar tissue, right. it's not as flexible as the normal tissue. So whenever you move that joint, it causes a little bit of injury. Yeah, you can get more information at my website, which is sweetamine.com, S-W-E-E-T, sweet like sugar, A-M-I-N-E.com. I've got YouTube videos and blog posts and lots of, uh, lots of information about the research and, and uh, uh, knowledge about glycine. 
how it works. So, doctor, earlier in the uh, before we got came on the air, you said um, that uh, glycine is great for athletes and even for wounded warriors. Could you? How is it great for athletes? Oh, because of because of what glycine regulates inflammation and prevents injury from producing inflammation. I mean, when you get injured in any kind of sports context or in any context, really, typically you expect there to be an inflammatory reaction. That's why you put ice on it. Mm. But that's really only because you're deficient in glycine. If you have enough glycine, you supplement with glycine every day. Uh, you know, you, you get a bump on the head and it doesn't even give you a bump. Uh, you get a sprained ankle and you can't walk on it, but it's not going to get all uh, swollen and stiff and painful so that injuries will heal very quickly. So I started running track again. Uh, I, I would pull muscles like crazy a couple of years ago. And, I, you know, when, you, when I used to pull a muscle, it would take about three weeks to heal. Uh-huh. Now it takes one week to heal. Wow. Because there's no inflammation accompanying that, which inhibits healing, you just get healing. That's profound. That's fabulous. It is fabulous. It's amazing. (laughs) Just enough to keep that inflammation. My son, who who injured his leg in hockey, now the scar tissue has built over, and he's still in pain. So I'm gonna. Right. I hope he'll listen to this show when I tell him about it. I hope everyone will listen. This is very interesting. I don't, you know, and I I tell people, you know, if you don't like it for any reason, you can have your money back. Oh, that's fine. I don't. Because it's, I don't, I'm not in, I didn't start it in order to make money. I started it as a business because that was the best way while, while going through the scientific research process and publication process to get it out there. Otherwise, it takes 20 years. We could all be sick and die before anybody knows about it. You've given us so So, much, Dr. Brind. We're coming. There's the music. Um, I can't thank you enough for being on our show. Thank you, Dr. Brind, for being with us. Thanks. My pleasure. Absolutely.